The majority of voters are just trying to get by, right? right. They're just normal people living normal lives, exactly. trying to do normal thing. Like if we were all in a vacuum with no context, meaning our social class, our gender, our location in the world, um, our, um, I don't know, heritage. If, if these things did not exist, then maybe we could feel more confident in making a case like just read the Bible and you'll get the answers. If we want to talk about things like economics yeah, and how that affects people in different situations, yeah, yeah. labor, yep. education, healthcare, housing, I don't think it's going to be as clear cut. So I'm not going to question like his motives or... Uh, his, yeah, that's my job. His, his that's honesty. my job. Hey, Josh. So there's a lot of different buzz and different topics that really will get a church community heated. Yep. Most of the time, you're going to have a person in authority or a prominent voice who is going to spearhead a perspective on one of these topics. Mm -hmm. So I want to try something with you today. Let's take a look at some of these topics and respond to some of these videos and see what are some of the strengths and weaknesses and how they might affect our viewers. Yep, sounds great. All right. So as we jump in, we want to welcome all of you guys to Kingdom Thinking today. And our first topic that we're going to look at is Christianity and politics. Mm -hmm. Now, we've addressed this a little bit peripherally, but today we're going to take a, a specific look at a perspective from John MacArthur, mm -hmm. who's a prominent evangelical leader in uh, Southern California. Yep. And uh, we're going to take a look at his perspective and evaluate why maybe so many communities latch onto this, strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, great. All right, so let's take a look. Culture around me has changed. We talked about that earlier. The seasons change. I haven't changed. Um, the Bible hasn't changed. It's the immutable, eternal word. So I've always followed the blueprint of the word of God. And um, for me, um, the responsibility of every Christian in culture is to be an advocate for righteousness. Um, 25, 30 years ago, you would say the Democrat Party was labor and the Republican Party was ownership, right? Uh, th that was the balance. And so they were, there, there was more negotiation going on. Now, n those parties are no longer defined by economics and they're no longer defined by um, social structure. They're defined by morality. Um, and for a Christian, it's clear cut. I do not believe a Christian, a real Christian, can vote Democratic because you are voting to continue the slaughter of babies and continue the advocacy of LGBTQ, which is just destructive perversion in the culture, transgender, and the anti-God blasphemous accoutrements that come along with all of that. So. Not only do I think Christians have to vote righteousness, in other words, you're going to take the side of those who are most likely going to uphold biblical standards of righteousness. Not only should you do that, you must do that. To say, well, I'm not going to vote is irresponsible when God wants you to take a stand for righteousness sake. Uh, one, one way to think of it is if you were the only person who could make the decision about whether you would want someone in power who slaughtered babies and believed in that or someone who didn't and you were the only person to vote, I think you'd vote and you'd vote for what was right. Well, in God's eyes, you are that one person. I, I don't think a Christian can shirk that responsibility. All right. 
Okay, good. So this is a common perspective that I have heard and yeah. I've discussed with uh, colleagues, peers, people I respect, people that love Jesus dearly. And uh, I think there's a lot of interesting topics here. Uh, so first, let me get a kind of initial response before we break a little bit of this down. Yeah, I mean, it feels uh, probably too black and white for something that I'm comfortable with. Uh, okay. I think there's some pretty substantial difficulties with the rhetoric uh, and kind of this all or nothing positioning. Mm. Okay. Uh, rarely do I think, you know, the answer is uh, that simple, particularly yeah. when you are dealing with like a political system that has so many ins and outs and so many different talking points. So mm -hmm. it's like, mm -hmm. yes, the Republican talking point of abortion is the correct position right, in terms of like children should not be killed in the womb. Like I fully agree with that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. um, but the Republican position, you know, can also have some other difficulties with it that, we'll, that we can kind of get into later. Yeah. That doesn't mean, uh, and, and so taking this all or nothing thing can correct. be a little bit hard for me. Okay, good, good, nice. So here's kind of what I gathered to be the thesis and the bulk of the argument that in the American political system where you have right to major parties, yep. um, the thrust of the conviction for Christians should be which principles align most with, uh, and he, the word he uses is righteousness, yeah. right? Um, in theology or in biblical studies, righteousness is that which represents God's character or which that, that which reflects God's character, God's yeah. correctness, right? Um, and so in the thesis of this, this perspective is Christians should vote for the closest thing to that, mm -hmm. right? And I, I share the difficulty at first because you're skipping over the whole process of how do we take that which is God's absolute character, and then apply it to a very complicated system with many different issues and that aren't always going to align one-to-one, -one, right. that are going to require um, wisdom or conviction or even disagreement for benefit or whatever the case may be. Um, there's a lot of process that goes through that that just kind of gets skipped mm -hmm. um, with this position. And the words he says is, I think it's clear-cut yeah. You cannot be a true Christian and vote Democrat. Yeah. So, all right. Um, all right, let's break this down a little bit. I think um, the strengths of something like this is that it gives people a compelling perspective for right. two reasons. In other words, what I mean by that is it's very neat, it's very clean, and it's very simple to adopt this perspective of evaluating your world. Yeah. And I think that's compelling for uh -huh, a lot of people uh -huh. because that's a lot easier. We'll let you know who the good guy and who the bad guy are. It's a lot less work than having to sit around a table, for example, and have to uh, discuss the merits and the uh, limitations of, of any given perspective. It's, yeah. it's a lot easier, right? Um, so it gives the impression that American politics is a battle for morality. Yes. Right? Which is that, that's interesting. Yep. I think that perspective is really interesting to me because it immediately uh, assumes or presumes who the good guys and the bad guys yeah. are, right? It's this us against them. Right, right. Uh, we're the defenders, the protectors yeah. of what is right. Uh huh. Um, very Superman esque, right? In the way it's being it, described. It's, it, exactly. It's very heroic yeah. in its context. So that that's interesting. I think that would probably be compelling yep. for Christians to feel like, man, like they're coming for us. We got to stand up. We got to defend uh, ourselves or 
whatever. Yeah. So I think that's compelling for a lot of people. Um, it's it's a winsome kind of narrative to find yourself in. Uh, I think the other part that is uh, winsome is that the dichotomy between support and rejection of a policy yeah. makes it a lot easier to understand. Yes, perhaps. for sure, for sure. And so there's no middle ground. Mm -hmm. Either you are pro-life or you're not. Right, right. Either you are going to stand for God's truth or you're not. Right. Either you're going to defend what's right or you're not. Either you're with me or you're against me. Yes. These clean buckets, um, I think, are compelling because it's easier for people. Yeah. So I get that. I think that that's a strength in the logic of that. Um, so what do you think about those points? Yeah, I mean, I would fully agree. To me, the thing that makes this thing most attractive is that it allows you to have to think less, spend less time thinking okay. about things because of how clear cut it is. Not in some insulting way that it's like, oh, people who hold these positions aren't critical aren't thinkers. Thinking people there, but it's like you are, you are able to arrive at a conclusion that is far less messy. Yes, and you don't have to dedicate as much time Correct. thinking about it. You can get to conclusions a lot faster. Yeah, because the majority of people, the majority of voters, are just trying to get by. Right, right. they're just normal people living normal lives. Exactly to do normal things there. exactly and so something clear and something as clear cut as this is a very uh, attractive thing because exactly. it's like well i mean it's true god probably doesn't want babies dead so i should vote republican right like Correct. it's a very all-encompassing exactly viewpoint. yeah so granted that and acknowledging that what would be some of the difficulties or maybe some of the challenges yeah so the first one that he says is uh the bible never changes and that can be true right that's fine if you want to take that position but it's like our relationship to the Bible is forever changing, right? It's just like say more about that. the idea is that we are constantly in this interpretive dance, right? With like how society goes, how culture goes, how it understands the revelation of God's word, because it is necessary for us to know and understand that humanity is forever contextually limited to its specific historical context, which is a fancy way of saying all of us come into the world with specific biases in our culture mm -hmm. and those biases uh, kind of rub off on us, and those are the lenses by which we interpret things. The most obvious example of this is like 2,000 years, the Bible was used to defend slavery. Now, if somebody tried to use the, the Bible to defend slavery, that would be a very bad thing, right? We would all universally condemn that, right? Yeah. And so the idea is you might make the argument that the Bible didn't change, but something about the relationship between the Bible and us mm. shifted there. Okay. So, uh, if that's true in one area, then we have to at least acknowledge that the possibility of that being true in other areas can exist as well. Mm -hmm. So for him to make such a superlative statement, like Bible doesn't change, I don't change, right? Like I'm just doing what the Bible says. It's like, well, you're a white guy who was born, you know, middle of the 20th century. So it means you're like steeped in modernism. So you have these like highly enlightenment principles that impact the way that you think about things. Yeah. And you may say like, well, that's how it is all the time. It's like, well, <laughs> No, it's not true because Augustine didn't believe in like a literal creation because God wouldn't need seven days to do yeah. that, right? And so there is always some hermeneutical dance or interpretive dance that's being done. So I think yeah. that's a disingenuous position to take right off the bat. And okay. I think that's a little bit scary. So if I may kind of break down or clarify a little sure. bit of what I understand you to be saying, it sounds like what you're saying is, now hold on. If, if what we're saying is, because this is how he starts the video, right? You know, culture changes, society changes. I don't change in the Bible doesn't change. What, what that sounds like is it's obvious. It should be obvious to Christians what is right and what is well, it's true. it's scary because if you don't change, you're the first person in the history and the totality of Christianity to have like everything perfectly aligned with how the Bible should now, be interpreted. To, to be fair, I think what he was saying is his convictions or perspective on what is true, in example, the Christian worldview hasn't changed. Sure. So 
to be charitable, what I what I understand that to mean is if we're going to um, ground our viewpoints or ground our convictions of how we see the world in something, we're going to anchor those in the Bible insofar as it's God's reliable mm-hmm. truth to us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, to say that, I don't think this is very controversial or very ex- sure. uh, inflammatory. I think where some of the the nuances or some of the challenges come in how different Christians view their role in society or different perspectives is the way in which our social context affects how we interpret the Bible, mm-hmm. right? And this is kind of what I hear you saying a little bit. Like if, if we were all in a vacuum with no context, meaning our social class, our gender, our location in the world, yeah, um, our... Um, I don't know, heritage. Yeah. If if these things did not exist, then maybe we could feel more confident in making a case, like just read the Bible and right. you'll get the answers. Right. Well, so the big question you have to ask is like, what does John MacArthur's position say about black people? Like, what does it say about black Christians who- overwhelm- Who are disagreeing with him? Who overwhelmingly vote Democrat. They're black pastors. Who overwhelmingly- right, so the implications of that are that they're wrong. And I think furthermore that they're not true Christians. That you Christians. can't be true Christians. Right. right. And that's right. a- Man, that, if you want to, if you want to take that hill, right? You can. If you want to have that battle, like you can have it, dude. I, <laughs> oh, that is, near it? I don't want to touch that with a ten foot pole, man. That just <laughs> seems like a really bad idea. Like, that is a sure fire way uh, to get yourself into some hot water. Right. right? Keeping. I mean, but like, I don't think. Oh, he doesn't I care. Don't I don't think he, he cares that. at all. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Right. So, and so I'm not going to question like his motives or. Uh, yeah, his, that's my his, job. His that's honesty, my job. right? I'm not so much concerned sure, with that. Sure, I'm more concerned with this point you bring up that it's like, hold on, are we being too optimistic that these factors, which I mentioned, right? Like your heritage, your the uh, answer, gender. The like, answer is yes. Right? Are we being too optimistic that these things actually aren't playing a very real role in how we interpret the Bible? Yes. So when we say something like, I'm not doing interpretation, I'm just reading what's there. Well, you're either not realizing that you actually are doing interpretation or you're just kind of being dishonest about it. Yeah. How can you, how can you think without doing interpretation? Like this isn't to say that language is, isn't, doesn't have meaning, right? Because it does, but it's like we all bring meaning and on our understanding of like language and processes and complexity to every single thing that we read and we encounter. And so to not at least create some room for that, it doesn't have to be overwhelming, yeah. but to make no room for that, what she's doing Correct. in this argument, that's so dangerous. Right. So it's either you're a liar, right, at the worst end, or you're being disingenuous at the best end, right? And it's like, that's a very scary place to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I would say there seems to be an over-optimism about how clear things are and how the communities, the, the Christian community's capacity to gauge that clarity. Yeah, so, so I would go. Something... I would go one step further. I yeah, don't think it's over optimistic. I think it's ignorance. I think it's intentional. Like I think it's dangerous ignorance. Okay. there because I, I think it's it's these types of positions that lead to subjugation of other people. Right. Through like theological text, kind of like Bible thumping. Right. If if this affects your position on like I don't know, woman leadership yeah. or people who um, I mean, I don't know in in his context like charismatic mm-hmm. Christians. Things like that, like yeah, like the implications. Of I think, that, like I think it's Jane that, that dangerous. Every, everybody else is wrong. Yeah, every, because everybody else has to be wrong. Right. If that's the position you start with, and I think your your example is a good one of 
as it relates to the Bible's language on slavery, mm-hmm. if the Bible's language on slavery was used by Christians to, uh, I don't know, in some way, at least shield themselves from some sort of responsibility yeah, yeah. apart from the economic effects of it, right? Well, like either you, you can only say two things: either they were wrong, right, right, <laughs> or or we're wrong now, exactly. Um, and so th- that seems to serve a strong counterpoint to this idea that no, it's just clear, guys. It's just obvious. All I know is nobody's really trying to buy black people in America anymore. Exactly. So it's like, well, and nor, nor <laughs> you should, they. yeah, and you should probably consider that then. Correct. When you make this kind of statement. So, so taking that as an example, if we want to talk about things like economics, yeah, and how that affects people in different situations, yeah. yeah. Labor, yep. Education, healthcare, housing. I don't think it's going to be as clear cut. It can't be. It just cannot, right? Because the volume is too high, right? The volume of issues that you have to deal with is too high. Correct. And because these parties are all run by people, and all people are sinful, there's going to be some positions held by each of these parties that still fall into that camp of being sinful. Correct. Um, yes, I. I don't think just even statistically, right? <laughs> <laughs> the odds that yeah. these could just neatly fall into categories yeah. and yeah. all align. Um, that seems, again, I'm, I'm going to use the term too optimistic. Um, and so I I would encourage as kind of some, some last year concluding thoughts towards some pastoral talking points. I think the initial disposition of it's obvious, um, I get that, right? Because I hope it would be obvious mm-hmm. that to to care for human life is at the foundation of God's self disposition yes, absolutely um, but the depth of what that means isn't just keeping people alive for example it would hopefully mean that we care about their quality of life once they're out of the womb yeah or that we also care about their mothers yeah pro life has to be what's um, called womb to tomb exactly yeah and so to to pick one example right if we're going to be pro life I think we should care about healthcare and housing and labor of people who are alive yeah, yeah. Um, as well. And that isn't so simple as we think. I don't think it's just choosing red or blue. right? Um, and so that would be my instinct towards a response to a conversation like this, that it has to be ongoing. It has to be. Uh, it, we just can't have this every four years, right? Right. Um, I think this relates to even how we talk to our, our people in our communities, people in our churches that it's okay to have disagreements on these things yep. and have a firm center. Certainly. You know what I mean? Yep, fully agree. Awesome. So what do you guys think? What are some of the issues that you think could also fall into a category that warrants a conversation and maybe isn't as clean or simple? What are some issues that you think maybe we're too optimistic about in our communities that warrant also conversations and different critical thinking? We look forward to hearing from you guys and make sure to catch us on the app, the Juice app, We'll see you next time on Kingdom Thinking.